What can you expect for episode 116? Take a look. A possible name change for this podcast, and I need your votes. Also, week four of Ohio High School football scores. My new gig, the Bengals' week three loss in Buffalo. The ending of the 2019 Reds baseball season and the conclusion of Marty Brenneman's career. And some new renditions of the Crew Stadium. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This podcast is a part of the Overtime Heroics Podcast Network and the Rise Up Podcast Community. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com slash forums and visit bit.ly slash community. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform. Music from podsummit.com slash free music. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. Yes, you heard correctly. I'm considering a name change for this podcast. Something I've been thinking about the past few weeks... When I first started this podcast, I wanted the name to be rememberable and something unique. And all I feel like I've done is shoot myself in the foot. Because, you know, Jim and Queen, you probably don't first think of Dayton and Cincinnati. So the name I'm probably going to go with is the local Sunday Sports Podcast. I have a pair of polls running, one on the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and one on Twitter, at GemOnQueenCrown. And currently, after a day, I have 18 votes on the Twitter poll. 72% say change the name, 28% say keep the current name. And I'm on the change the name vote. Now, when I change the name of this podcast, because I know it's probably going to happen, the content is not going to change. The host is not going to change. I know, sorry, you're stuck with me. What real change, the name of the podcast, duh. The logo has to change sometime, and the opening and closing has to change. And also, I have to change up the media kit a little bit, and make sure that once I change it on Anchor, that I change it everywhere else. So, yeah. So, yeah, 72% on Twitter say change it, which is weird, because at one point it was up 90% to 10 on the change it. Now on Facebook... Ten people voted to change the name, and five voted to keep the name. That's 6733, something like that. And again, I'm on the change the name boat. I mentioned that there was a name I wanted to change it to, the local Sunday Sports Podcast. My good friend Brian Reese even threw out the idea, call it the Sunday Sports Podcast, because local would be redundant. Which is a very solid point. However, I've been using the local Sunday sports hashtag for quite some time now, so that's why I wanted to keep it that. I even thought about just calling it the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, too. But So yeah, the Gem of the Queen's Crown is probably going to go away sometime soon. Maybe next week, maybe two weeks from now, who knows. But this these polls will run for another six days. If you want to get in on that hot, hot change the podcast name or don't action, again, facebook.com slash the gem on the queen's crown. No spaces, no apostrophe. And on Twitter at gem on queen crown. Go vote. 
because like I mentioned, it would help. And I feel like a name change would bring in more listeners. I mean, the Gem of the Queen's Crown, I love the logo that Chad Hollingsworth made. Hopefully he'll, he'll oblige and kind of touch up this one. What I'm thinking is keep the gear part, because that's part of the city of Dayton's flag, and the waves would be part of Cincinnati's flag. I was hoping to get both skylines squeezed in there somehow, and of course change the name on the logo, which that might not happen for a while, but there you go. Again, get on the poll, because I need your help determining if I'm in the right thinking about changing the name, or I'm just a big giant cuckoo man. I mean, that point could still, you know, be correct, even if I wasn't thinking about that, but shut up. Anyway, how about some Week 4 Ohio High School football scores? Because that's what you come here for. Well, that and Cincinnati and Dayton sports. We'll start off with two Thursday games. This one was televised on 45.2 as Vandalia Butler picked up their first Miami Valley League win by knocking out West Carrollton 41-7. That's right, conference play has started for some schools this past week. And also we have a Dayton City League score in. On Thursday, Belmont shut out the Meadowdale Lions 54-0. Elsewhere, we'll go to Friday's scores now. A CCC victory for the Twin Valley South Panthers. Not only a cross-county conference win, but the first win of the year for the West Alexandria Cats. They take down Bethel 25-20. to They were trailing most of the game the Panthers were, but came back nicely in the fourth quarter to win it. The Tri-County North Panthers were not so lucky. They fell to the Miami East Vikings 41-12. to And Southwestern Buckeye League action, Eaton fell just seven points short of Brookville 28-21. An overtime win for the Arcanum Trojans. They knock off National 12, 20-17. And Preble Shawnee comes up short against Middletown Masson, 41-14. Now back to Southwestern Buckeye League action. Valley View shuts out Oakwood, 42-0. Waynesville edges out Bellbrook, 21-20. That's a good game right there. Carlisle, 21. Dixie, 8. Franklin, 35. Monroe, 7. Milton Union, big winners over Northridge, 47-8. They will remain conference foes, but not in the SWBL. And now to the cross-county conference again. Mississinawa Valley takes down the Patriots of Tri-Village, 19-8. Something I noticed of pictures. I forget if it's from the folks at Advocate 360, the Dark County paper, or the Greenville paper, I should say. But Mississinawa's helmets, they have... Picture the Eagles' helmets, I guess, from nowadays. But they're black wings because they're the Blackhawks. It's a really neat look. And Tri-Village, I love the Patriots logo with TV on it. You know, because Patriots love TV. And it's not sure for Tri-Village, I promise. <laughs> and Sonia 48, Bradford 7, Fort Loramie 19, Covington 14. That might be what decides the CCC title, the last CCC title. Hand it out, as this is the last year of CCC play. And then most of the schools go to the WOAC. And some schools are staying to form the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. At least I believe it's Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Now to Miami League action once again. Miami Valley League. Greenville 29, Fairborn 26, Troy 14, Tipica News 7, Xenia 42, Stebbins 0, 
Pick 129, Sydney 0. Now it's a G-Walk action. Centerville 49, Miamisburg 14. It's the first time in quite some time these two state routes, 725 rivals play in football. And the Vikings have now lost three in a row. The Elks have won two in a row. Springboro, they remain undefeated with a 42-27 win against Wayne. Still looking for their first win under head coach Mukes. Springfield 28, Northmont 17, Trotwood Madison 24, Kettering Fairmont 15, and Lebanon 41, Beaver Creek 34. Lebanon soon to leave for the Eastern Cincinnati Conference along with Little Miami and Winton Woods. We'll talk about both those schools a little bit. I believe this is the Ohio Heritage Conference. As Greenview takes down Triad, 37-6. West Jefferson, big over Southeastern, 48-14. And Northeastern, a big flying over the Irish of Springfield Catholic Central. Northeastern wins it 50-0. More scores for you as Mechanicsburg defeats Cedarville, 51-7. And West Liberty Salem, 56, Madison Plains, 8. With Fairbanks handing Green in their first loss of 2019 by a 48-42 margin. Onwards to the Central Buckeye Conference. Bell Fountain, 6 over Ben Logan, 28-22. Jonathan Alder, 49-14, winners over Urbana. Kenton Ridge also wins big over Graham, 49-21. London, 39, North Union, 15. And Springfield Shawnee, 37, Northwestern, 7. And also Indian Lake, a winner over Tecumseh, 35-14. Onwards to the Midwest Athletic Conference. As Anna blasts a 48-7 win over St. Henry. Versailles edges out Parkway 30-27. New Bremen 34, Fort Recovery 27. Marion Local shutout winners over Delphi St. John's 24-0. And Coldwater defeats Minster 38-20. Now to the Northwest Central Conference as Lima Perry picks up a 66-36 win over Marion Elgin. Lehman Catholic edges out Riverside, 27-20. Waynesfield Goshen, 47. Ridgemont, 22. And Harden Norvin, 21. Upper Scioto Valley, 14. In Western Buckeye League play, five finals as Ottawa Glandorf takes care of Lima Bath, 28-6. Kenton over Defiance, 42-14. Salina edges away Elida in the Battle of the Bulldogs, 42-38 Salina wins. Ten points better were the Rough Riders of St. Mary's, 24-14 over Van Wert. And Wapakoneta, two scores better than Lima Shawnee, 28-14. Some non-conference tastes to close out the Dayton-Lima region. As St. Francis de Sales, four points better than Alter, 35-31. Bishop Hartley flies over Chaminade Julien, 47-26. Lucas shuts out Troy Christian, 43-0. Clyde, 51. Thurgood Marshall, 8. Washington, Ohio, shuts out Punnex Tech, 33-0. Fenwick shuts out St. Charles of Columbus, 16-0. And now we jive down to Cincinnati, and we talk about some Cincinnati area scores. St. Xavier comes back and defeats Indianapolis Cathedral 41-37. I had the privilege of listening to the post-game show of that broadcast. 
And more on that a little bit later about my new gig. Very excited to tell you. Witten Woods shuts out Moeller 34 nothing. Hughes 38, Western Hills 6. McNicholas 30, Purcell Marion 7. Indian Hill 63, Deer Park 7. Madeira 42, Finneytown 6. As we're diving into Cincinnati Hills League play. Marymont 28, Taylor 7. Elsewhere, Clinton Massey 38, Blanchester 3. Minford 31, Wilmington 27. Talawanda 4-0 under head coach Larry Cox. The Brave keep rolling, 29-6 over New Richmond. Fayetteville 31, Portsmouth Notre Dame 14. Goshen 50, Norwood 7. Bethel Tate 41, Bactavia 0. Aiken shuts out Woodward. 32-0, Summit Country Day 27, Claremont Northeastern 24, Schroeder 26, Campbell Montessori 0, Lachlan 28, Cincinnati Country Day 14, North College Hill 27, Miami Valley Christian 21, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy 42, Walton Verona, Kentucky 7, New Miami 27, St. Bernard Elmwood Place 18, Turpin 40, West Claremont 7, with throw... 39, Loveland 0. Yours truly had the call. Again, more on that later. A nice come from behind victory for the Owls of Mount Healthy. They stave off the Little Miami Panthers. 36-35 and OT. Harrison crushes Ross 48-14. Edgewood 35, Northwest 0. Anderson 59, Kings 41. Walnut Hills shuts out the potent Milford Eagles offense. 35-7, a battle of the Eagles there. Coleraine 23, Princeton 14, those Cardinals keep a rolling. And speaking of rolling, Coach Bolden keeps his GMC undefeated streak intact with a 28-21 win. Lakota West defeats Sycamore. Lakota East takes care of Middletown 21-9. Mason shuts out the Highlanders of Oak Hills 35-0. Fairfield 34, Hamilton 27, East Clinton 26, McLean 7. Jackson 56, Western Brown 21, Hamilton Baden 31, Roger Bacon 7, Hillsboro 14, Williamsburg 9, Jefferson Township 42, Riverview East Academy 2, Bishop Watterson 34, Carroll 21, Crestview 48, Delphos Jefferson 6, and now into Indiana we go, Richmond on the short end of a 63-7 scoreboard to Marion, Try keeps winning the Titans over the Centerville Bulldogs, 34-21. Northeastern, 28. Union City, 17. Winchester, 36. Union County, 7. Hagerstown, 20. Lincoln, 0. And in overtime, Connorsville, four short of their first win of the year. They fall to Rushville and the Lions, 40-34. to And Saturday affairs for you. St. Edward, 42. Elder, 25. Cincinnati College Prep, they shut out Clark Montessori, 32-0. And Taft picks up a win over Cleveland Lutheran East, 30-22. Senators win it. And now we jump into college scores. The Bearcats of Cincinnati had the week off. They're at Marshall on the 28th. Ohio State, 76, Miami, 5. Faulkner, 28, Cincinnati Christian, 7. Duquesne hands the Flyers their first loss in the year. Dukes 34, Dayton 31. Wittenberg picks up their home opener with a 14-12 win over the Fighting Scots of Worcester. Wilmington picks up their first OAC win over Ohio Northern, 42-38. Urbana 41, Willing Jesuit 26. With that win, Urbana 3-0, first time ever 
and also broke a school record with 441 yards on the ground, 532 total for Urbana. That's getting it done for the Blue Knights. Central State picks up their first win of the year and also their first Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference win by defeating Clark Atlanta 26-19. Thomas Moore falls short of Wisconsin-Platteville 41-10. The Wright State Club Raiders, they defeat Michigan State 28-10, improving their record to 1-1. And will host Wisconsin-Milwaukee this Saturday at 11.30 in the morning. And again, Miami Club Redhawks, they do not start until this upcoming week. NFL scores, of course, we're talking about the Bengals after the break. They fall to Buffalo on the road 21-17. Indianapolis defeats Atlanta 27-24. The L.A. Rams pick up a Sunday night win over the Cleveland Browns 20-13. And the San Francisco 49ers keep the Pittsburgh Steelers winless with a 24-20 decision. Hard to believe both the Bengals and the Steelers are entering week four in their matinee affair 0-3. You might have expected it from the Bengals, sure, but the Steelers, eh, I don't think so. But there you go. We'll touch up on some other scores. That Wright State volleyball team, they keep winning. They have won 11 straight matches. 11 straight. After dropping the season opener to Bowling Green in four, they have won 11 straight. And this time they take the Ball State Invitational. And elsewhere, Wright State Women's Soccer, they fall at UIC 2-0, start conference play. Dayton Women's Soccer picks up a 2-0 win at home against George Mason to start A-10 play. Wright State's Men's Soccer, they pick up a 4-1 decision at Milwaukee to open up conference. And Dayton Men's Soccer, they don't start A-10 play yet, that's this Saturday. But they do beat West Virginia on the road 2-0 for the upset, and UD's 500th win all time. 500 wins. That's very impressive. 500 wins for the Dayton Flyers men's soccer team. We'll take a break at this point here on episode 116. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Bengals' loss and my new gig. Also, other things happening around the Sunday sports scene. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mallon of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. I'm here to talk to you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain why. Anchor is 100% free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place, and all for free. I love hosting on Anchor. It's been super easy to upload episodes, and when I had a problem with something, their tech support got it fixed very quickly. Download the free Anchor app on Google Play or in the App Store, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, the easiest way on making a podcast. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, made by T Public. 
You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday Sports gear by T Public. Welcome back to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. You see how nice and clean that is? It's just easy to say and it flows right off the top of my tongue. It's probably nicer to listen to as well. So let's start off with a little positive news, then we'll go into the bad, and then we'll go into the sad, and then we'll go into the good, which I know it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, but there you go. So yeah, new gig for me. I'm going to be broadcasting high school football for the first time in about four to five seasons. I'm the play-by-play voice of Loveland Tigers football. And I'm super, super excited that I got the gig with ESP Media. Very excited working with two fine gentlemen and Kyle Howard and Brock Faulkner, who'll be our engineer for most of the contest. Very exciting. Uh, getting the chance to broadcast in Cincinnati, that's really cool. Actually, getting the chance to broadcast full stop, that's cool. But getting part of the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, that's good football down there. It's a tough start for Loveland. You heard that they lost to Withrow 39 nothing. That was my first play-by-play action with ESP Media. I thought I did okay. Uh, towards the end, I felt like I used the same phrases to describe passes such as dart, that was my big crutch, I gotta fix it, hopefully I will fix it, but getting back to football was quite entertaining and quite satisfying. We were at Withrow High School, which is the home of the Tigers, and I mentioned Loveland's also the Tigers, so there you go, can't say Tigers tonight, can I? It's really exciting, really nice old stadium, Angus King Stadium, and it feels like it belongs at a college campus. Because there's a old building that runs along about the entire side. And then it kind of stops after the end zone out there. You have to go out and see it. It's very nice. First home game of the year for Withrow. And third row game for Loveland. Did my research. It took me longer to get to Withrow. And that's not because I left late, it's because that uh, traffic was exceptionally bad. And the route I'd taken probably wasn't the best way to go at that point, but what can you do? Anyway, can't thank Robert Ebel enough for the opportunity, can't wait to get back to work Friday. We'll be at home as Loveland hosts Milford. And this time, it's not part of the Crosstown Showdown, which I hope I said showdown on the broadcast, because shootout's the basketball game between UC and Cincinnati. Showdown is the giant football tournament that runs pretty much the entire season around Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, and Southeastern Indiana quadrants. Like I mentioned, what can I really say except, yippee, I'm back on football. It's what I wanted to do. And I can't wait to start my next game up Friday night. I also got a chance to listen to Tri-State Football's post-game show they do on 1360 and 1530 AM, and they do a nice job. They do a really nice job. They interview a winning coach from Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio. This week it was Andre Parker of Witten Woods. I had to double-check to make sure it was Andre Parker, which it was. Hooray me. I thought it was Andre Dawson for some reason, but 
There you go. Research during a podcast. So yeah, Loveland Football, it will be on ESP Media, SN.com. You can watch it through live stream, or you can get it through podcasting services, because ESP Media puts all their games and their podcasts on uh, archive. Why couldn't I think of the word archive? It's on Anchor, it's on Apple Podcasts, tune in. I believe it's also on Google Podcasts as well, but... Yeah, I, I can't thank the organization enough for giving me a shot. And maybe that'll turn into something for the winter. I don't know. But Loveland Tigers football, I'll be the play-by-play voice, and you can tune in to me every Friday except Week 10. Because Week 10, I have a previous engagement with Wright State. But I hope you give my football broadcast a shot. So please listen to them. And now we move from the good to the bad. You might know the Cincinnati Bengals are 0-3. You might know they fell to the Buffalo Bills. And you might know this took about three tries because I couldn't stop saying bowls. That's UB, not the NFL team. Anyway, Cincinnati fell to the Bills 21-17. to You might know the Bengals took the lead late. They scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. And all the offense came in the second half for Cincinnati. With Buffalo, the Bills scored 14 points in the first half and the winning touchdown in the fourth quarter to knock it away. Randy Bullock secured a 43-yard field goal to give the Bengals the brief lead. And then Buffalo answers back three minutes and four seconds later on a Frank Gore one-yard run. And Hoshka put the extra point up, and that was that. The Bengals tried to get the lead back late, but it was picked off on a deflection, and the Bengals could not pick up their first win of the season. And now through the final individual stats, if you're a quarterback in this game, your rating is not great. Both quarterbacks threw the ball 36 times. Allen, Josh Allen, 23 of 36 for 243 yards, a touchdown and an interception. And Andy Dalton, 20 of 36 for 249 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Very similar numbers between Allen and Dalton. I think Josh Allen is a great addition to the Buffalo Bills, and I think this Buffalo team is much improved from years gone by. But the big first test for Buffalo will be New England this upcoming week. For the Bengals, you got Pittsburgh. I believe it's in Pennsylvania this week. And I think it's a primetime game, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, 0-3 are the Bengals. Now I go through the individual stats. We'll start off with rushing. Or I told you the quarterbacks. Mentioned that both quarterbacks threw the ball 36 times. Dalton got six more yards. Allen completed three more passes. Very, very strange how similar stats can be. For the Bengals, do you think the running game was improved? If you think 67 yards on 19 carries is improved, you have a very loose definition on the word improved. That might be the most the Bengals have done this year, but it's still not good enough. 67 yards, and you have Mixon, who led the AFC in yards last year? Granted, 61 yards, it's a small step up, but... An average of 4.1. It's up. It's getting 
better on 15 attempts. For Buffalo, the Bills were serviced mainly by Frank Gore. 14 carries, 76 yards, and that touchdown to seal the deal. Allen, 9 carries as a quarterback, 46 yards. Yeldon, 8 carries, 30 yards, but a big fumble late in that first half where Buffalo could have went up by 21 to send us to the break. So 175 yards in total by the Bills' rushing core. Now we look at the wide receiving core. Cole Beasley, if you look on the game sheet, he's listed as a running back for some reason. Not entirely sure why. If someone could... Oh, I see. Beasley and Gore were swapped out. That's very weird. Because normally you think Gore's a running back and Cole Beasley is a wide receiver, the former Dallas Cowboy. Ten catches for Beasley, eight catches, ten targets, excuse me, for 48 yards. Lone receiving touchdown for the Bills was caught by Knox, the tight end. I think it was taken a little after Drew Sample was. Three catches, 67 yards. Longest was that 49-yard reception, and I think that was the touchdown pass. For Cincinnati, Auden Tate beat out Damian Willis for the third wide receiver spot. And turned in an 88-yard, six-catch day. Tyler Boyd, six catches, 67 yards. Mixon, two catches, 34 yards, and one touchdown. That's the lone Cincinnati touchdown through the air. Eifert, a catch, 18 yards. Erickson, a catch, 13 yards. Bernard, two catches, seven yards. And Ross the third, he quieted down. Two catches on six targets for 22 yards. And yours truly did think about picking up Ross on the waiver wire of his fantasy football team, but decided against it. Which, uh, actually, that didn't hurt me as much as the running backs didn't really get hot. But you're not here to listen to my fantasy football team. Nor do I want to talk about it, really. Looking through the team stats now. Bills with 25 first downs, Cincinnati with 17. Four rushing first downs for Cincinnati, that's up from the one they had last week. And 11 for Buffalo. Both teams had 12 passing first downs. And the Bengals had one via penalty, Buffalo with two. Third down efficiency, the Bengals 3 of 11, and Buffalo 5 of 13. No one tried a fourth down. Cincinnati got 306 total yards, Buffalo 416. Most of that through the air for both Buffalo and Cincinnati. Actually, Buffalo just two yards better than Cincinnati. 241 to 239. Rushing-wise, well, that's a horse of a different color, whatever that means. 175 yards on the ground for Buffalo to Cincinnati 67. I can keep talking about this till I'm blue in the face, but the rushing game has to improve. And what do you need to have a rushing game? Well, running backs, duh, since he's got them. But a line. And the offensive line, oy, it hasn't improved. You can have, you can have Jesus as your quarterback. And that offensive line really wouldn't protect him. That's the big thing. So I hope Cincinnati thinks for the 2020 NFL season, drafting some offensive linemen and drafting some linebackers as well. There's a tweet that I retweeted yesterday. I had a bad migraine, so I missed the game. So 
I don't know if that's good or bad for yours truly. I have to go back and find it. Eventually I will find it. Actually, there was something that I wanted to bring up about that Rams and Browns game. But I'll do that a little bit later, because I'm on a roll. This is from Joe Goodberry, JG, or username Joe Goodberry. This Bengals team is bad. Linebackers are slow. Offensive line has been built poorly. Dalton isn't good enough. Get Ross a jugs machine. Someone has to tell me what a jugs machine is. I have to assume it's like an oxygen tank, but I'm probably wrong. They can't get mixing enough touches. Whose plan it is to rush just two defensive linemen? Can a DB catch a ball, please? Special teams more negative than positive plays. Yeah. And I have a feeling that most of the recaps I'll do from here to the end of the NFL season will be talking about that. I feel like the Bengals, if they have a solid offensive line, best two and one, maybe one and two, but I don't know. I was going to say the Bengals' defense, that second half, they did a nice job, but that last drive, that's what killed it. So, Zach Taylor, his first year, you know, what are you really expecting? I don't think the Bengals are going to reach the 0-16 margin. They still have the Jets and the Dolphins, which that's going to be interesting to see who wins that series between the NY Jets, 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 and the Miami Dolphins, Dolphins, Dolphins. Doesn't have the same flow as J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, tough loss. Tough way to lose it. Second half rally, not enough to snap a three-game losing streak. And it's really tough. Someone also brought up a nice point, too. This is about the same team as last year. Most of the draft picks haven't really dented the score sheet, really. Jonah Williams, he was supposed to be a big answer to that offensive line, goes down in training camp. So that's a tough loss. Hopefully next year he'll be part of something special. And I hope Cincinnati looks at free agent market and what can they also draft. So I think the Bengals do okay drafting-wise. But it always seems like the first-round pick for the Bengals goes down or doesn't have a great year. So that's the Bengals. Like I said, I think the Bills are much improved. Do I see them dethroning New England for the AFC East crown? No. Did I see the Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers starting 0-3? No. Someone brought up a good point about the Steelers going 0-3. With Antonio Brown's absence, he was really good keeping the defense honest, and you know defenses would normally double-team Brown, whereas the other receivers would be open, and bam, you know, Smith-Schuster, he's... I don't know. I still think he's good enough to be WR1 for Pittsburgh, but we'll see. Did anyone see the Bengals going 0-3? Probably. Did I see it? No. Well, I take that back. I didn't see San Fran going 3-0. But, lo and behold, there they are for the bye. Week 4 bye to the 49ers who beat Pittsburgh. So yeah, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati. That's up next. That's a big game. I like to tell you that one of those teams will win, but I have a gut feeling it's going to end in a tie. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
Double check to make sure it is in Pittsburgh, week four. They like it as a primetime game, but it might be flexed out. It's a Monday night game. Ooh, boy. At Pittsburgh, Heinz Field. Keep in mind, Pittsburgh's without Big Ben for the year. I think his surgery went successfully, Roethlisberger's. Mason Rudolph, he looked okay from what I heard. But the big thing is, they're still on 3-2, so they have their glaring holes as well. Now see who takes that battle. Monday night game. Hmm. That's going to be quite interesting. And then back home against the Arizona Cardinals. Then at Baltimore, home versus Jacksonville. At Los Angeles, the Rams, ooh. And off week nine. Oh, by at Los Angeles Rams, I mean at Wembley Stadium. This is the London game. I completely forgot about that. Interesting. But I'm looking at Cincinnati-Pittsburgh. And hopefully I'll get a chance to listen to that game, because that is a pretty big game. One team's got an opportunity to get out of the basement with their first win of the year. It's at Pittsburgh. It's, uh, I don't know. I feel like the Bengals don't really do well in Pittsburgh. But we'll see. I've been wrong before. If I'm wrong on this one, I'll be happy. So yeah, Bengals 0-3. It's, uh... Looking to be a tough season, but I feel like the passion that Zach Taylor showed, even though he might have been wrong on the rule, I feel that passion will be beneficial. Why? Because Marvin Lewis would be like, oh, okay. But Zach Taylor actually was trying to get his team two points for a safety, but it turned out it was a touchback, I think. So there you go. And now we talk about the Cincinnati Reds. It's hard to believe the season is winding down, but it is. And with the 2019 season winding down, that also means the career of Marty Brenneman is slowly coming to a close. 46 years as the play-by-play man of the Cincinnati Reds. I can only dream of a career that lasts that long. He's 77 is Marty Brenneman. He's called many memorable games during his career including the big red machine years. Those were the good years of Cincinnati baseball. The 75 and 76 World Series against Boston and the Yankees. The 1990 World Series against the Oakland Athletics. Pete Rose becoming baseball's all-time hits leader. And so much more. This is written by Marty Brenneman, and it's available for your eyes at Reds.com. Mentions that he's not second-guessing his decision. He's very uncomfortable with the attention. Very honored that people think enough of him in his career that he felt compelled to do something out of the ordinary. But he would have been just as happy to do the last game, and now next day he's not coming back, and that would have been it. But that's not how it played out. He announced it. Did he announce it this spring? Or was it last year they announced it? He'll wake up Friday morning, and the largest chapter in the history of his life will be over with. I'm good with it. Somebody said to me two or three months ago, do you know how many games you broadcasted? 
He's not wrapped up in numbers, but the club wanted me to work until I had 50 years in. I said, I'm going to be 81 years old. That's not happening. And this fellow told Marty, you've broadcasted between 6,500 and 7,000 baseball games. Now I know that I've seen enough. He's good with it. Yeah, uh, I totally respect the decision of Marty. 46 years, that's a lot of baseball. Especially the last few years where Reds baseball has been kind of stinky. This year looked to be promising, but that 1-8 start kind of hampered it. And the Reds are out of the playoff race. Like I mentioned, was that last week or two weeks ago? I don't even remember. It's going to be tough, because during the summer, coming home from Dragons game, with the Reds game still going on, there's Marty. This year, not so much. There's Marty and Tommy Thrall. And most of the time when Tommy Thrall was on, I wasn't really paying much attention, or I turned the radio off. With Marty, it didn't matter if the Reds were down 10 nothing or up 10 nothing. I'd have it on, because I feel like Marty is a great play-by-play announcer. It's it's going to be different next year. I can't believe that we're already at the end of the season. Marty mentions that nobody has had a better gig than him, being in the same city for 46 years, doing what I enjoy, being one of only eight guys to spend at least 45 years broadcasting big league baseball, with every one of those years with the same team. Marty can't ask for anything more than that. I'm hoping tonight, when my soccer match at UD is over, I'll be able to listen to Marty as Milwaukee's in town for three, I believe. Milwaukee in the chase for the playoffs. Currently have a wild card spot and four up on the Chicago Cubs. Which, by the way, would you like to hear the standings? Cubs are in third place and technically can't get the NL Central crown now. But four games, I think there's six left. So anything's possible in the NL wild card. St. Louis, they have clinched a playoff spot. Not quite the NL Central crown, but they're in the inner track for it. Who to think St. Louis, they were in the middle of everything most of the season. Then here come the Redbirds, hot as ever. Whoosh. 7-3 in the last 10. And, yeah, quite the stretch for St. Louis. I know as Reds fans, it's one thing you hate to hear, but for me, the Cubs are in danger of missing the playoffs. Eh, you take your pick on which one you want to hear more, but there you go. So Milwaukee's in town for three. I'm hoping that Marty Brenneman's on the call for some of the games. And Friday's going to be difficult, bouncing back from possibly the Reds game. And possibly 1360 to hear high school scores. Elsewhere, the Atlanta Braves are the NL East champs, NL West champs. Well, I'll let you take a wild guess at it. Have you guessed yet? Yeah, it's the Dodgers. 100 wins, 56 losses. Impressive. And 20 and a half up on Arizona. The New York Yankees have the AL East crown. 102 and 55 are the Yanks record. They've had a nice year, considering the injuries, and now one of their starting pitchers being a dum-dum and in legal trouble. That's all I'll say about that. Very, very bad. Stop domestic abuse. Stop it. 
The Twins have a four-game lead over the Cleveland Indians, but have not quite clenched the AL Central crown. And the AL West, 102-54, you can give it to the Astros. Now we look at the wild card. I mentioned that Milwaukee had one of the spots. I think Washington's right there, too. Actually, Washington is a half game better than the Brewers. And the Brewers are four games up on the Cubs, five games up on the Mets. And I think the Diamondbacks can't get to the wild card. If there's six games left, 80-77, what is that? That is 157. 162 game season. Would that be five left? I hate doing math this quick, but yeah, I think the Diamondbacks are out. Philadelphia, they're one game out. Next loss for the Phillies should be the end of the Philadelphia chase. How's that Harper contract working out? Aha! Yeah, I'm not a Bryce Harper fan. Can you tell? And now we look at the AL wild card chase. Oakland, a game and a half better than Tampa Bay. And Cleveland just a half game out of the wild card chase. Yeah. That's going to be a dog battle between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Indians. I hear people saying, well, if Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay played half their games in Montreal, I'm like, no, stop it. That's a horrible idea. It's a great idea if Montreal got their own franchise, even if it met the Rays move from Tampa Bay, but Stop suggesting half-and-half seasons. That's stupid. Stop it. Get some help. Michael Jordan, stop asking people about their underwear tags. I'm I'm sorry, that came out of nowhere. So, yeah. I I sincerely hope that next year's play-by-play broadcaster for the Reds is someone I can listen to. Someone I enjoy. Because it's going to be it's going to be a new era with no Marty Brenneman. Reds have three home against the Milwaukee Brewers. Tonight is Marty Brenneman, oversized replica ticket. And then tomorrow is commemorative Marty Brenneman print. And Thursday afternoon is business day specials. And then the Reds head to Pittsburgh, close out the season against the Pirates for three. I really hope that Marty's on the call for that Pittsburgh series. Because I'm definitely going to be on the road Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I definitely hope that that's the case. Best wishes, Marty. Thank you for entertaining me with baseball since I became a fan back in the early 2000s. I wish I listened more to it in the 90s when I was a kid, but I didn't grow up a sports fan. And now from the sad to the good again. Told you about my gig, but now to talk about new renderings for a downtown stadium for the Columbus crew. Now, of course, you can't see the picture of your own eyes unless you go to the website and look at it. But it looks beautiful. It looks nice. And it's going to be nice that it's part of Arena District. That's where all the pro teams play in Columbus. You have your Blue Jackets starting up soon. They're in preseason right now, but regular season's not too far away. You have the Destroyers. You have the Columbus Clippers. And have the crew there? That's big. And I enjoy the heck out of that. Now, of course, this won't happen until 2021. 
but just the renderings there gives you goosebumps. It's very, very nice. And like I mentioned, if the new stadium comes about for the crew, the old stadium's not just going to sit there like a giant heap of nothing. It's going to be used as a multiple sports facility. They're going to build a lot of lots to, I think that's the south of Mothray, and they're going to make it where, you know, youth sports play there, which is fantastic. And I think they say the Crew SC Academy is going to be there. I don't know. But just looking at it, the touch of black to represent the black and gold, that's nice. You have to scroll a little bit farther down to look at that picture. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait. It's going to be part of the neighborhood, meaning Arena District. It sits just off Nationwide Boulevard. It's committed, connected to the community in a way Moffrey Stadium can't do because, you know, Moffrey Stadium's at the fairgrounds, and that's north downtown, whereas this is just a couple steps downtown. So, yeah, I can't wait. And I know people probably still have issues with me being a crew and FC Cincinnati fan, but like I mentioned, I liked the crew before FC Cincinnati was a thing. Now FC Cincinnati is a thing in MLS, I can't really like, oh, well, bye. Besides, if I ever get a ticket to watch the crew or FC Cincinnati, I'll definitely take it, because it's sports. And I like sports. You might know. But there you go. These pictures are beautiful, and very exciting to see what the future of crew soccer can be. Take that, pre-court. Your Austin team can't pull the crew away from Ohio. Ha 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 ha. So yeah, really excited. And, you know, that means there's two Ohio pro teams getting new stadiums. And I have to check in on the West End Stadium in Cincinnati, because if I'm talking about the crew, I'm talking about FC Cincinnati. Uh, the, <laughs> the seasons, I can tell you, they haven't gone as well as fans hoped. But the crew have been playing better as of recently. It's just that horrible start, or actually that horrible June that put the crew in the big hole. We'll take out the standings. And eventually, if this thing stops flashing at me, we'll check on the construction updates of the West End Stadium. Bunch of dots. Awesome. And squares. Woo. That means it's not loading correctly. What is that about, FC Cincinnati? You might know, Stargell Stadium 2.0 opened recently. Taft got the first game there, and I believe Taft won that game against Withrow. I think that was last week. I hope that was last week. But yeah, there was a big event. 500 people got t-shirts, 250 got commemorative towels. So yeah, I definitely hope West End Stadium is successful. I haven't really heard much news out of it, which, by the way, the crew are not out of the playoff race, but they need a lot of bounces their side. They're 11th out of 12 teams in the Eastern Conference at 9, 15, and 8. The only team eliminated from playoff contention in the East, FC Cincinnati, 22 points, 6, 22, and 4. Not so good. Although, recently FC Cincinnati did pick up a win against Montreal in a scoreless draw with the Chicago Fire, who are just underneath that playoff line. New England currently has that last spot. Six teams have clinched. New York City FC, Atlanta United FC, Philadelphia Union, D.C. United, New York Red Bulls, Toronto FC, 
in the West. Looks like no one has really clinched yet except Los Angeles Football Club. I think they need... Oh, I forget what the situation was. One more way than they have the Supporters Club Shield, which is the best record in the MLS. Columbus got that a while back. Do you remember that? Vancouver cannot make the playoffs in the West. They're the only team that can't. Right now in the West, it's LAFC, Seattle, Minnesota United, LA Galaxy. They slid a little bit. Real Salt Lake, FC Dallas, and San Jose with Portland. They got 44 points like San Jose, but they're on the wrong side of the playoff line. Followed by Colorado, who have much improved. They had the worst goal differential. Now it's just at negative 6. FC Cincinnati, by the way, they're at negative 44. That is the worst in the MOS. The best, I spy a plus 44 from Los Angeles Football Club. Wow, that team must be dynamite. Wish I could see. I wish I could watch more MOS soccer, to be honest, but there you go. And that is still not loading. I can tell you there's dots, and they probably say something. Let's try it one more time on a different browser. While we're waiting on said different browser to load, uh, go ahead and vote in the poll. Again, Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and the Facebook page, The Gem of the Queen's Crown. Like I said, the name is probably going to be the local Sunday sports podcast. It's direct and to the point. I thought about the Cincinnati Dayton sports podcast and Brian Reese suggested the Sunday sports podcast. I have no idea what I'm going with yet, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I fear that a change is coming up soon, which only means the name change. Hopefully everything is, you know, fine. But there we go. And now opening this on Google Chrome, let's check out the website. Eventually. Westendstadium.com Westendstadium.com And it's still that long picture with grids and everything, and it's not loading for me. Hooray! Ugh. Well, that was a flop. Sorry about that, everybody. I was hoping to tell you some updates on the West End Stadium, but the website will not work in two browsers. Hooray. I guess that wraps up episode 116, then. Again, go vote. If you have suggestions, spread them to the appropriate places, and we'll talk to you again. Not sure when the name change will take effect. Might be next week, might be two weeks. And hopefully I can get a logo swap for my good friend Chad Hollingsworth. I love that logo, but I'm going to need it changed if I'm changing the name of this podcast. Again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, episode 116. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via Royalty Free Music, No Copyright Music Group. 
Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, CastBox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown and at the Lee W. Mowen, and on Facebook by liking the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page, and become a member of the Facebook group, Fans of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye, and please join us again for another new episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.